you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Mitchell gets to Sanders. Sanders has got some room to operate. Barry Sanders inside the 10. Touchdown. David. Football. Football, David. The Dave Damashek Football Program. Available on Apple Podcasts and at NFL.com slash DDFP. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Barry Sanders, 50 years old. At minimum this. Let me tell you something. Earlier this week, you got to go on NFL.com and track this down. The 50 greatest plays in Barry Sanders' career. Now, I do not put Barry Sanders as the greatest running back I've ever seen, but he probably, off the top of my head, has the best highlight reel of any pro football player I can think of. Anywho, hi and hello, football fans, and uh, welcome to the Dave Damashek football program. I hope all's well wherever you are here in Studio 66. Welcome to part two or part one, however you want to consume it, of the home and home with Move the Sticks here at NFL Media. Seated to my immediate left, my main man, Bucky Brooks from Move the Sticks, of course, and you're seeing him all over the place on NFL Network. You see him on yeah, Fox Sports doing now it. with Cowherd, so on and so forth, and, of course, on social media. Oh, P- Bucky, Bucky, uh, getting rugged with people on there. Who- I've, learned, I've learned from the best. i learned from Dave Damashek how, to, how to stir it up. So you- what I did is basically take your game plan, the game plan that you use for all the Cincinnati Bengals fans. <laughs> I basically took that, and I just kind of added a little motion I hear you. And then I, I, I dropped that on the people. And some uh, some depth of knowledge. But my but let me say this to you. I don't uh, – my the stuff with the Bengals is not uh, bitter or it's not some phony – It's not because you're, on, you're always on the upper hand right now. It it's not some phony hate. They, don't you understand, Bucky, as a Steelers fan, that the Ravens are my rival. <laughs> the Bengals amuse me <laughs> like a clown. You understand? <laughs> Anyhow, so we are going to do, we did on Move the Sticks just now uh, in real time. We did the NFC side. Now we're going to do the AFC side of the 2018 Jenga pieces for all the NFL. Like I say, the AFC will be our focus on uh, on this episode of the DDFP. If you're a newcomer to the Jenga theory, it is that in the 21st century, all pro football teams are going to suffer injuries. The key issue is to not lose the wrong guy, because if you lose the wrong guy, like Jenga, you take the wrong piece out of the mix, the whole thing falls. can implode. We do avoid quarterbacks when we do this, uh, because it's a little bit too easy to just say, if you lose your quarterback, uh, the whole season's going to end, obviously, as we saw when Peyton Manning with his neck went out, however many years ago, that was <laughs> five years ago, they went, what'd they go, one in 15? Did they they didn't yeah. go over, yeah. Yeah. Painter it pulled also- one out for him. <laughs> wow. I'm trying to think of who Painter. won that game for him. But anyway, Barry Sanders, Bucky, what's your answer to that? Is who's, he best? who's the most ex- – I'm not saying best running back. You don't I'm think saying- he's the best running back? No. I. But it's funny who's because your top three? Reggie Wayne and, Jane, and uh, James Jones, uh, I bring those two guys up because I like the name drop, but also because they did say Barry Sanders is the best they've ever seen. You're going Barry is number one. I would go Walter Payton. He wasn't a to me. The, the, I would go Walter Payton then Barry. Having played against Barry, having been on the field, having been in the Superdome, trying to run around huh. and corral him. Hard man, <laughs> he's a hard one. But the he thing is unbelievable. That, I I agree with you about him, and I don't want to go uh, too far down the the rabbit hole of of this debate. But I go sweetness one. And then I go Eric Dickerson, too. Oh, he's another one of my favorites. Or wait, do I go by Barry or Dickerson there? And then uh, I think I uh, some mix of Earl Campbell, Tony Dorsett. Here's the thing. Here's Emmett, the, Emmett Smith? No way in there? Emmett's 10th. Wow. Emmett's behind, uh, Emmett's behind LaDainian Tomlinson in my book. He's behind Marshall Falk. I know. It's a good thing you don't bring Orange Peel on here much more. Because that right there, he would probably be throwing his coffee. Well, here's what Emmett could do that Barry, to my recollection, never was uh, did a whole lot of. 
he's he's not a banger, you know. He's a, he was always about avoiding contact, which is great, and he did it to great effect over the course of his career. Should have, if he would have hung around for another year, would have retired as the all-time leading rusher. Absolutely. But I that's a major absence from the greatest running back of all times game, right? They didn't uh, run between the tackles, lower his head, and uh, knock you around. Stylistically, it's just a stylistic deal. But isn't that, isn't that what you want? Isn't that a key detail with what you not, want from your running I like, back? I like yards. I want yards, touchdowns, big plays. Well, splashes. that leads me to a, mm. a Michigan native, uh, mm. Michigan State product named Levian Bell. Best he, running back in football? I would say he is, and it's because the big difference with Levian Bell and all-time great Barry Sanders is, as we jump into Levian Bell, the big story mm-hmm. in pro football this week, is that Levian Bell, along with – almost never turning the ball over. The other key detail with his game is he always gains yards. He ne- he almost never gets tackled behind the line of scrimmage. Barry Sanders did a lot of that. He was always trying to hit the home run, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I'll give you some of that, but I came in I came in bearing gifts and, and, and plenty of stuff that I wanted to see on Lev Bell, and I'm looking at these numbers. And here's why. So we talk about the, the greatest of all time. Most scrimmage yards per game in NFL history. Lev Bell is number one. 129 yards per game. That's ahead of Jim Brown. That's ahead of Billy Sims. That's ahead of Barry Sanders by a significant margin. I just believe sometimes when we're, we're, we're trying to make determinations on whether to pay players and things like that, you have to pay the player for what he is and not the position that he plays. He is an explosive offensive weapon. Now, I know he went kind of over the cliff and said that he wanted to be an RB1 and a wide receiver too based on the contributions that he makes not only as a runner but as a pass catcher. But I think it's undeniable what he brings to the table for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He is a dominant playmaker, a guy that can do it from the backfield. He can split on the edge. He creates and dictates matchups. And I would even go so far to say that he not only makes number seven's life easier – he makes Antonio Brown's world easier because you always have to focus on number 26 in the backfield. When you ask defensive coordinators how they go about the process of game planning, it always stems from the same premise. Stop the run, stop the running back, and then deal with the other stuff. Without 26, you can direct all the coverage and all those other things to slow down Ben Roethlisberger and really contain Antonio Brown. Do you suspect uh, the uh, Gabe Rivera passed away? Now, a lot of people may not know the name Gabe Rivera, but the uh, the uh, Texas Tech product, a defensive lineman, drafted back in 1983 with the 26th overall pick in that draft by the Pittsburgh Steelers, who were looking to replenish the Steel Curtain. Mean Joe Green and all those guys had just uh, got more or less moved on, so they went with Gabe Rivera um, instead of the local kid named Dan Marino and a lot of mm. a lot of Pittsburgh fans still wring their hands about that one. Do you think, Bucky Brooks, that the names Darius Geis and those guys and, uh, you know, I don't know, even Nick Chubb, will they loom as what the Steelers should have done? Yes. This has been mismanaged by the Pittsburgh Steelers. If the I, Pittsburgh Steelers – I kind of agree that that if, was – If the that, Pittsburgh Steelers – they had two opportunities to take care of this situation. They could have done it last year – when he was about to play on the $12 million tag, they should have drafted a running back at that point. A guy like a Alvin Kamara would have been sufficient. They could have taken a guy like a Joe Mixon. Somebody in there, they should have drafted them high. First, second round back, and that becomes the heir apparent. So then this year, at the end of the season, hey, Lev Bell, thanks for your services. We move on. Or say you didn't do it then. You do it this year, knowing that he's playing on the tag at $14.5 million. Draft a running back. Sony Michelle is another guy. Sony Michelle, Darius Johnson, Kerry those, Johnson. All there. Somebody, they, they, they all were in play. The bottom of the first round, that was part of the speculation. Like, hey, they can get a running back. They'll get somebody that can replace Lev Bell. Lev Bell walks. They didn't do it. So when they don't make that move, you're thinking, oh, they're in this for the long haul. So they're willing to offer up whatever it is to make sure that Lev Bell is retained and they continue to have – him and A.B. and Ben, and they're going to go with the killer bees for the next three or four years and see if they can make a run. When you don't do that, now I'm just wondering, where do you go if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers? Because now to pay him, if you pay him on the third year of a franchise tag, Jack told me it's 144% of what he made. And that 
pushes him up into that 17, 18, 19 million dollar category. If you didn't want to pay 14 million for the running back, you now want to pay 19 million for the quarterback. So it just doesn't make sense. And so my biggest argument has been Lev Bell is more than just a running back. He's not an eight or nine million dollar player. He exceeds all the production that Devontae Freeman and those other guys that sit at the top of the list bring to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, can you pay him like a wide receiver? Conventional wisdom says, no way, you can't pay him like it's too much money. Sammy Watkins is making $16 million per year. Jarvis Landry is making 16 per. You have Allen Robinson making 14 per. If we were playing a game in the street and you asked me who would I want over Lev Bill, Jarvis Landry, Allen Robinson, Sammy Watkins, who are you going to go to the table with? I'm, I'm going with Lev Bell. Rob- oh, no, Levy and Bell. Sure, sure. So I'm just saying, like, look, when Pittsburgh elected to do this dance, they knew that what they were getting into. And really, if you want to head this off and you never want to pay a running back big money, go to the table earlier rather than later. Well, I also think it. that it's informed the, his usage, too. I think that they have, they have fed 26 because they knew that there was no long-term deal in store. And so let's we're, we're going to grind him for 400 which is, touches. Which is great. But draft a running back right. that can serve as his apprentice to learn the offense, to be comfortable, to step in and be the next guy. Now, it didn't work the first time. Who did Amos Zeraway replace in Pittsburgh when he had his opportunity? I know you're a Pittsburgh fan. Uh, wasn't Bam Morris, I don't think. Was it? I remember. But just think about like – Think of that transition. Zero, you don't want to get stuck in a situation like that. Oh, no, that's – I'm thinking 03, uh, Zero. Yeah, like, like you, you don't want to get stuck in a situation where you just name anybody the running back in Pittsburgh. You would like – man, the last class had so many running backs. The last two classes have had so many running backs that were good. They said they snagged James Conner. Look, he's a nice grinder, but he's not like the do-everything playmaker like Levy and Bill. They could have had an opportunity to take one of those guys to have in place. So when you do move on from Levy and Bill, the offense doesn't that's, skip it. That's the surprise to me. Um, and the, the looming disappointment that puts a lot of pressure now on, uh, on the big three guys there that are making all that money in Pittsburgh in 2018 is are Roethlisberger, uh, Bell, and Brown, are we going to ascribe them to history like the 98 Vikings or the Dan Fouts Chargers? That's, they're, that's not even they gonna get to, they're not even going to get to a Super Bowl, those three guys, that's together? That's what it is. Did a lot of pressure on uh, 2018. I want to show you this, though. Take a look at this, Bucky. Here's to the point that you were trying to make there about number 26. I was at the game in Heinz Field last, uh, whatever that was, late uh, November, early December, against the Ravens. And a couple of times in the first half, the Steelers went to this formation, which is two tight ends out there. Yeah, two tight ends. So we have two tight ends. What we're looking at is really what we would call an I left wing. So what you have, the two tight ends on the same side, snuggled up beside each other. James is the wing alongside the tight end. I can't see the number. And then you have Antonio Brown all by himself at X. This formation is one of the more difficult formations to face because from a defensive standpoint, there are a couple things that you have to answer and address. One, are we trying to defend the strength of the formation, which is the two tight end side? Because if we run the ball here, you're kind of outnumbered. If you count from the center, one, two, three, four, they're only three defenders. If they just run a simple play to Levy and Bell there, they're outnumbered at the point of attack. So you have to deal with how are we going to defend the strength of the running game. Two, what are we going to do with Antonio Brown at the top? Are it's we crazy for the listener. If you're, if you're not seeing this uh, and just hearing us, uh, go through it. Yes, Antonio, I mean, you have one receiver. How many times in the 21st century do you just see them put one wide receiver on the field and uh, the, the running back behind a fullback uh, with, uh, I mean, with seven under center there? So in an I formation, the, the fullback is offset weak. So this would be like I weak left wing. And you have Antonio Brown set to the right all by himself, one-on-one with the corner. Now the scary thing for the defense is, do I really trust that my corner can handle a, B, one-on-one by himself. Uh, I don't, so I need to lean my safety somewhere over there. So I'm sure out of the screen, there's probably a safety over top to double-team and take him away. There is, right. But it leaves you short on the running game. 
If the Pittsburgh Steelers decided to run a power to the left, they have them outnumbered, it would probably be a positive gain. This is a formation that when I go all the way back to my time in Kansas City, we had Antonio, we had Tony Gonzalez at tight end. We had Joe Horn, who was what we call our U wide receiver. He would only come in in these heavy sets because he was a burner, guaranteed to get one-on-one. We would throw deep overs, deep plays to him because he could take advantage of the defense. Smart offensive coordinators understand how to use that formation to manipulate the coverage to create big play opportunities in the it's so It's so simple, though. I, 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 Very simple. It's a little league formation. Yeah, I was captivated looking at it, and there was, and you realize as you like, what are you going to do? There's nothing that the defense can rightly do to stop that. Pick your poison. Which one are you going to go after? And that leads us to the AFC side of the 2018 Jenga pieces, and let's start with those Steelers then, because whichever one you, the defensive coordinator, Bucky Brooks, from that image, choose to focus on, 26 or 84, is by definition the Steelers' Jenga piece. Really? Kind of, right? You think so? I'm going to go with 26. 26 is the Jenga piece. I know right now Pittsburgh Steelers fans don't want to hear it, but we ran down those stats. In NFL history, there hasn't been a more prolific guy in terms of scrimmage yards per game than Levy and Bill. Runner, receiver, extraordinary, playmaker. I want guys on my team that can score points and do it in a variety of different ways. That is what Le'Veon Bill is. That is why he's demanding to be treated like an elite offensive weapon. He is worthy of being put in that category based on what he has traditionally done historically throughout his time in the league. He is their number one player. I know you have number seven. I know AB84 is one of the top receivers in the league. But without question, to me, Lev Bell is the guy that you have to stop when you're dealing with the Steelers. By the way, I'm talking to Antonio Brown this week, and we'll have that for you here on the uh, DDFP later on. But I feel like you're not exactly praising 84 enough. 84 is not just the best receiver in the game. He's one of the three best receivers of the Super Bowl era, Bucky. Whoa. Yeah, that's what I said. I I didn't even say he was number one. I said he's right number now. one. No, I did though. I right said right now, one. like I don't know. I think if we were out in the open market, I think you would have more people that would opt for Julio Jones over no, Antonio Brown. They, Julio well, Jones, was, size, speed, I know people, swoon. physicality, toughness, all those things that you get from a Julio Jones. I love AB, but typically you always offer bigger is better when it comes to it. There's a reason why you have divisions in title fights. You don't want heavyweights dealing with flyweights. Okay, New Hopkins is better than Julio Jones. In, in, I didn't say that. I said that. I'm telling you what's the score. I didn't, I didn't say that. I'm not talking about who's a, a beauty contest. I'm not talking about who's standing up on the New pedestal. Pop, you said DeAndre Hopkins is better than who? Than Julio. And, uh, and, I don't think you would get a large and, consensus of people that would say that. And I'm not I talking New, about – He's a great pass catcher. does a great job of winning 50-50 balls. But when you're talking about number ones and doing everything, run after catch has to matter. You're talking about an explosive – athlete and playmaking Julio Jones. Okay. I think you're selling him short. I'm not to listen. He drops passes. He disappears in games sometimes. Does he? Yeah. Is he disappearing because his number's not called or because people are locking him up? I'm just stating the facts for you. He's I mean, a, what you you look you at stating? you look at the box score at the end of the game, he mm. did not loom large in the outcome of the game. Mm. Keenan Allen is another one. See you're you you're Keenan like Allen over you're, Julio Jones? you're doing your scout business versus what it, what happens in the game. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't know we were on fantasy football. I have I nothing we to do with it. I'm talking about production. I'm Is sorry. that fantasy? I thought, we, I thought we were talking about, I thought we were talking about ball. I'm talking, talking about, about reality. I'm talking and, about the real numbers. The, the real numbers. I'm talking about ability and all those other things. If we're sitting here, and I love all those guys. Keenan Allen is one of my favorites. Julio Jones is what you dream of. As I, a wide receiver. I completely agree. Is what agree. you dream of as creating. We, as we talked about. If we could create one. That is what I want. Okay, Leo Jones. Okay, that's for the, and that's absolutely right, and that is the point that I'm making. Yes, 32 teams over. If you asked every GM, mm-hmm. which guy do you want here? Let, here, let's. Uh, there's uh, this guy is Antonio Brown, and here's new guy, and then here's uh, Julio Jones. Yes, everyone would swoon for Julio Jones, except for when you go when you watch him play games. Who jumps out more? New Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's unstoppable, more so than Julio is, right? <laughs> I mean, that's the reality. That's the that's the week in and week out is result. It, is this what you normally do? 
Is it what you normally do on your podcast? You just bark at people. You just throw stuff out there. No, I, I welcome your you, opinion. And but then, it, you, then you talk louder, so then you kind of mute me out. No, because you're talking just about. No, just know, just know that I can always win after hours because Twitter is twenty four seven. I can always win. I can I can always say, look, I didn't get my my opportunity to have my 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 say on a DDFP, so I can hashtag DDFP. And then just continue to well, talk wait, about if, it. Well, if, wait, if the measure is the specimen, then Ryan Leaf should have been better than Peyton Manning, right? Mm. I mean, that's not much of an argument. Mm. Julio Jones is better because that's who you would make in a lab? He's everything that you want. Moving on, then. <laughs> everything that you want. I'm going to go – I'm going to agree with you about 26, but – I mean, I don't know. I feel like I don't know how to decide between 26 and 84 um, in Pittsburgh. But all right. A big uh, upgrade for them has also been, you know who's another one, Bucky? Here's here's a wild card. Mike Munchak. How about that? Is a, how about that as a Jenga piece? Uh, the O-line coach? I mean, he's transformed what they do there. I mean, they, they now have a top five offensive line after half a dozen years at least of having one of the worst offensive lines in the league. I mean, he's, he's a good coach, but – All right, I'm not going to put him ahead. I'm just, on, I'm just uh, giving him his due. Next up, the Cincinnati Bengals, Bucky. That's easy because we already talked about Julio Jones, and okay. Julio Jones are always connected with A.J. Green. A.J. Green is the guy. A.J. Green is their most explosive offensive player. He is the one that kind of – he helps everybody else find a way. He's the one that kind of dictates where the coverage goes. That allows Joe Mixon and those guys to face fewer guys in the box. It helps the receivers on the other side to get free. A.J. Green, look, didn't have a fantastic season a season ago, but he's still one of the best – in the biz. A wild card to throw at you for your reaction is Vontez Perfect. When uh, he's out there, the result – I mean, when he is out there, they do play better, they win more games, and so on. For sure, but I think the biggest issue is, like, never really out there. It's always something. I, well, I agree. I'm not going to yeah. defend his honor. I'm just pointing out that, may, that it seems like Cincinnati – to your point, yes, he is always in some sort of trouble. He's always in suspension, whatever. Mm-hmm. And yet they can, they refuse to part ways with that guy. He's Marv, the Marv never says like, all right, it's enough already with you. Get out of here, perfect. That shows how uh, useful a football player he is, right? It does. I still take AJ Green. Okay. Next up, the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns. Josh Gordon. Ooh. Josh Gordon, here, here's why I would say Josh Gordon is the Jenga piece. Josh Gordon can come off the streets from a two, almost a three-year absence and come and almost get a 100-yard game right away. Mm-hmm. They haven't that, had that kind of talent, that kind of playmaking ability in years. He is very important to them because now when you have a Tyrod Taylor or Baker Mayfield playing quarterback, they need a supporting cast around them to be outstanding. And even though you're paying Jarvis Landry $16 million, Josh Gordon is the best receiver on that team. He's the one that's the most dynamic. He's the one you have to pay the most attention to. Josh Gordon is the guy that is going to make their offense go. When we – everybody's very optimistic, like we said uh, on Move the Sticks earlier, everybody's very optimistic about just about every NFL team. If you're a fan of one of these 32, you can make a case, maybe this is our year because – or maybe we make a little playoff run. Realistic expectations for the Browns this year. What would be come uh, come New Year's Eve to look back and say, you know what, the Browns finally look like they're heading in the right direction? I would say if they're able to get 7-9, and nine, this year, and the reason I think that seven and nine is attainable, I think the Baltimore Ravens are vulnerable. Mm. Um, I think they can go toe to toe pretty much with the Cincinnati Bengals, and I think they will eventually split with the Pittsburgh Steelers somewhere this year. Part of the reason is I think they're going to match up with them very, very well, and they're going to have a physicality and a toughness about them. And offensively, Todd Haley is going to do some stuff that makes it very, very challenging for defenses to defend that offense, that wide receiver core that we talked about. I, I do things li- think things line up nicely for the Browns in week one. Once again, same as last year, hosting the Steelers uh, in that first game. I wouldn't be surprised to see them steal that one. Do you think they made a mistake in not taking Bradley Chubb? Uh, yeah. You always take the pass rusher over the corner. The right? front end can affect the back end more than the back end can affect the front end, meaning that your rush can affect the timing and rhythm and destroy – 
the passing game more so than having a terrific corner. A terrific corner can take one side of the field. In theory, can take a player away. But that pass rusher affects everybody. You should have taken the pass rusher over the corner, even though you needed the number one corner. Boy, oh boy, I agree with you on that one. That's for sure. Imagine if uh, I'm glad Garrett you're coming and... over. I'm glad you're coming over. I agree with you about craziness. some things. I, I listen. I people. I know I'm on the wrong side of uh, popular opinion on that, but I just point at uh, what Keenan Allen does and watch that no one in the NFL seems to be able to stop him week after week. Next up. The uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Most important player is T. Sizzle, Terrell Suggs. When Suggs, how's he there, still doing it? It's crazy. I don't know. I don't know how he's still doing it, but I know he is a big time player. He does it not just necessarily with what he does from a physical standpoint, but the attitude. He is the last remaining member of kind of what that reputation of the old Ravens. Mm-hmm. He is kind of the thing that is still hanging. Um, the thing that still kind of connects them to the past, the great Ravens defenses. And because he is there and because he is able to kind of still impose his will on opponents, I still believe that you give the Ravens a certain level of respect, even though they don't have Ed Reed and Ray Lewis and those guys. Because when you look at 55, 55 still reminds you of when they were at their best and he still can play a little bit. It does seem like Ozzie Newsom has uh, refocused or in uh, this offseason refocused on um, doing what the Ravens have perennially done or at least most years that Ozzie's been there, which is have really uh, uh, be really good on both sides of the line of scrimmage, right? Be really good on both sides of the line of scrimmage, beat you up, and they've always had a thing in, in Baltimore. Man, you got to give Ravens guys, guys that play like Ravens, meaning there's a level of toughness, there's a level of physicality that is played, there's a relentless spirit that they all have, and they're all very, very competitive. I think they got back to the recipe. Suggs is that connection to that historic group. Here's a fun one. You know who the Ravens' actual Jenga piece is, Bucky? Who? Justin Tucker, the greatest kicker. Mm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Of I, all time. I argued I – argued, a couple seasons ago that Tucker could be and should be a legitimate MVP candidate. Mark Mosley did it. If we really talk about the importance of kickers in the game, the most important people on offense are guys that can put points on the board, where there's not a most important, more prolific player than your kicker. Justin Tucker pretty much guaranteed whenever they get inside the 35-yard line, there are points on the board. There's a value to that. It changes the way that you play. It changes the way that you can coach the game because you're always assured of getting three points when you reach a certain part of the field. I don't think enough people value a good kicker. Justin Tucker is a very important part of what they do. I apparently didn't say it clearly. Uh, I somehow uh, got lost in the wash. I was attempting to compliment Justin Tucker and the high-end kickers of the 21st century when I said on social media something to the effect that the kickers are too good now. They have sort of corrupted what we know to be traditional strategy for football because you, the game wasn't intended to have guys running out there making 55-yard field goals with regularity. It just wasn't supposed to go that way. And Justin Tucker himself took great offense to it <laughs> and tweeted at me, and all the Ravens fans jumped on board. Oh, he's a he's a Ravens hater. I said, this is an attempt at a compliment to Justin Tucker. Not any hate there. But no, yeah. no, no, no hate. I mean, it, it should be a compliment. Like, the ability to knock down a kick from – 50-plus yards away. It's something that we didn't expect. Um, with any regularity. A, maybe no you regular, could get a, but it's a lucky huge, with one. But it's yeah. a huge offensive weapon. And when you have one of those knockdown kickers that can do that, it changes. When I was in Carolina and we were uh, the Super Bowl year, we went 2003, and even going to the championship game in 2005. John, Casey, we, we knew if we got to a certain part of the field, it was always points. So it changed our strategy. And so – it's a huge benefit, huge asset to have a guy like that. By the way, as I mentioned kicker, I don't want to take uh, too long a detour, but quickly, you were there with Al Riveron explaining the rules changes for 2018. Am I crazy, or is scoring going to go way up this year because of the modified kickoff rules that are going to allow teams? You don't get a running start. You were a special team stud on the coverage team. Doesn't the guy – if you don't have the five-yard running start to the th- from the 30 to the 35 as the kicker boots the ball, instead now you have to start at the 35, isn't that going to make the starting position for every drive 10 yards further upfield now? It, and ergo mean a lot more points in the league? It could, but the kickers are so good in the league that they'll do a great job of kicking them high and in the deep corners. 
which make it very, very tough. It's going to look more like a punt return than a kickoff play. Um, it'll be interesting to see in the preseason how special teams coaches are handling not having wedges, not really being able to double team in space, and then the no block zone, the free run zone, and having eight guys within a certain yard mark. You only have three guys back. Normally you would always have two guys that could come together and lead block. I'm just curious to see who you let go and how you block it, but it could potentially lead to more explosive plays. But I'm just of the mindset that there's so many kickers that are so good at like pooching it high and in the corners that I think you'll see field position field position kind of probably come back to the pack. Mm as opposed to, like, seeing those big explosive runs. Interesting. All right, let's move on now to the West and start off with the Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos, it is all about Von Miller. Von Miller, the pass rusher, the ability to knock quarterbacks around, change and disrupt the timing of the passing game. It is all about 58. He reminds me of my old teammate, Derek Thomas. You lose him. It changes the way they have to play defense. It is interesting how similar they are. If you can blur your eyes a little bit, how much Von same Miller for, moves and is cut the same way as and Derek really Thomas. to me is it's, it's not even that. It's first step quickness. Having played with Derek Thomas, I was in a game. We played man. We played the Oakland Raiders on a Monday night, and I think he sacked Jeff George either six or seven times. And to be on the field and to just fill it, I was in coverage obviously, but I've never seen anybody dominate a game like that. Von Miller has those same kind of traits where he can just explode off the ball, turn the corner, bend and burst, and get to the quarterback. To have someone like that allows your defensive coordinator to sit back in coverage and not have to blitz. Different game. Different game game when you have that kind of player on the edge. Can dictate it. Now you get a Bradley Chubb, two guys that can pass rush. Broncos defense could be salty just because of those guys. Mm -hmm. Interesting. All right, next up, uh, the team that I have mentioned is uh, perhaps the most talented roster top to bottom in the AFC at least, the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm going to go with your guy, the guy that you're trying to make the number one receiver in the thing. You must have read my notebook, Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen, to me, deserves to be up there. He is their go-to guy on offense. Phillip Rivers has really been leaning on him. You looked at him last year. There was a stretch where they won three straight games. He had 10 catches, over 100 yards, and a touchdown in each of those games. They won all of them. Having that kind of guy that can impact the game in the past game creates opportunities for Melvin Gordon and other guys to get free. Keenan Allen is a very, very important piece to them. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, I, I might look at – Ingram or Bosa, but the combo of those two uh, are devastating. Obviously, what they have going on the back end defensively is uh, is maybe the best in all the NFL. And uh, Matt Money-Smith, voice of those Chargers, told us a week ago that Mike Williams is looking like a stud and is uh, gigantic by his uh, <laughs> his first-person account. He said he's, he's going to take off in year two here after the injury-plagued uh, rookie season. Next up, the KC Chiefs, another team. People have a – oh, well, Patrick Mahomes, they have a, they have a young kid in there. Well, their, their 2018 can only go so far. I disagree. The big arm with, uh, with a bunch of speed out there around them. Big arm with a bunch of speed. Um, I love their perimeter players. Tariq. Tariq Hill, you have Sammy Watkins, you have Travis Kelsey. That wide receiver core to me is a top five receiver core. But the guy that kind of makes it go, Kareem Hunt, the running back um, who is able to not only run it but to catch the ball out the backfield as a, a, a presence that will force defensive coordinators to drop a defender in the box. That's going to help a young quarterback in Pat Mahomes. I can't tell you how much that's going to alleviate the pressure on him to kind of not face – Double coverage, cover two, guys rolling up on their guys. Kareem Hunt is a very, very important piece of their offensive puzzle. All right. And uh, the Oakland Raiders. It's easy. Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack is the only defender that you really worry about when you face the Oakland Raiders. He single-handedly is their pass rush, is their uh, turnover creator through pressure, through forced fumbles, through being able to force the quarterback to throw quickly. He's the disruptor. Without him, their defense is nothing. Do you think that they bounce back this year? Because I can see the Chargers kind of running away with this division. Uh, I mean, the Raiders are going to be tough because the biggest t- the biggest thing would be the transition John Gruden has to make uh, being a coach that hasn't coached in 10 years in the league. How quickly does he adjust to the newness of the game, the new concepts, the way people are operating on offense and defense? It's going to be a challenge. I don't think it would be a smooth transition the first eight weeks. 
But he'll figure it out. He's very, very smart. So you ultimately like John Gruden long-term in Oakland? Well, I mean, I had no Vegas. choice. It's a 10-year contract. They got to like him. <laughs> You're married to him. You got you to do it. You, you walked out. I'm not talking about Davis. I'm talking about Brooks. Does Brooks like the signing? I mean, I like the signing in terms of bringing juice, but I do wonder because when he talks about bringing it back to 98 – that's 20 years ago, man. You can't play the way that you played in 98. Like, you can't go old school. That's like Bill Parcells trying to play like the old New York Giants used to play. You can't play that way anymore. Um, let's move on to the South now and the Indianapolis Colts. Who? this was tough, man, because I was searching long and hard trying to find the guy that I felt like was indispensable. Uh, T.Y. Hilton was the name that I came up with. And the only reason T.Y. Hilton – well, uh, now they don't have Moncrief, so that, I guess they're you, you he's can the make only the receiver. case. Of, yeah. He's the only receiver in the passing game that you can think about being an established weapon. And with Andrew Luck coming back, I think he's going to be able to come back and throw regulation balls by the time we get to regular season. I mean, I don't know, but if, if, if Andrew Luck is back and he's throwing a regular football, I think he has to throw it to someone. T.Y. Hilton is the only guy that I can think about being the established player that you have to lean on. I mean, this, am I crazy? I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist by nature, but... You are a conspiracy theorist. I am absolute. How dare you, sir? But listen, I really... Have you ever seen such optimism? I mean, people... Oh, he's, oh no, no. We don't have to... I mean, I guess they have Jacoby Brissett, who is uh, more than serviceable, but uh, so I guess they have uh, a safety net there. But still, isn't it a little bit strange that... A little presumptuous that he's going to come back and oh, be yeah. the guy that oh, no, 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 no. He, no, he threw the uh, Junior Duke a couple weeks ago. Threw the Junior Duke. He's been throwing wiffle balls and softballs and golf balls and all that other stuff. Wishing the best, obviously. A nice guy uh, from, from my limited experience and, uh, by all accounts, a, a nice fella, but... Uh, yeah, I'm with you. A little presumptuous. And uh, now let's move on. This is this is an interesting one, although I know who you're going to say. The Jacksonville Jaguars. How do you know what I was going to say? Because you you're gonna obviously going to say Jalen Ramsey. But how do you know I was going to say that? Oh, come on. I mean, I'm saying that, but how did you know I was going to say that? Why are we so confident that I was going to say Jalen Ramsey instead of Telvin Smith or Miles Jack or Calais Campbell and the other guys? Because I knew you would go with Jalen Ramsey because well, you at some point would settle on the highest pedigree guy. The highest pedigree guy. Right, isn't yeah. he? He has everything. He's a transformational talent. He's a generational dude. He's a guy that um, can make so many things happen. I think he just scratched the surface of his potential. Lockdown corner, guy that does a great job of not only bringing the talent, but bringing the attitude. When you look at this team, part of the reason the Jacksonville Jaguars were able to make such a quick turnaround, they have a bunch of like-minded dudes on that team, particularly on defense. A lot of alphas, a lot of guys with no fear, no blink mentalities. And I think what you saw is, they believe that they can bully anybody. And when they get it rolling, they were able to be the bullies on the block. The trick for them will be how do they handle their recent success? How do they bounce back now that they're on the map, now that they're a marquee name, now that everyone knows Saxonville and all that other stuff, everyone is yelling Duval, all of that stuff. How do they handle that? And they'll get a quick test early against the New York Giants. We'll see. I Listen, I really like the Jags, and I keep saying this as though it's a rhetorical question, and it really isn't, but how long can you get away in the NFL in the 21st century with uh, with the notion that we're going to hide our quarterback for 60 minutes? And uh, But I, I also think that there's a chance that Blake Bortles maybe turns the corner a little bit, too. I'm not saying that he's definitely Again, a bum. He and see, here's the thing about Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles doesn't have to play like a top-ten quarterback for them to win the Super Bowl. Blake Bortles just needs to be an average top 15 quarterback, not turn it over. And I get Leonard make Fournette a, hurt, which makes make a case a, for him as your make, Jenga piece. Make a couple plays, but even with Leonard Fournette being hurt, because they played a couple games without him, their offensive line is improved. They're going to be able to control the line of scrimmage. They're going to be able to mash people. And when I look at this team, this team is built very, very similar to the way the Jaguars were built when Tom was there the first time when I was there. Offensive line was solid. We had Tony Baselli, Leon Searcy, um, we could run the ball, had a number of running backs to play, Natron Means, James Stewart, James Stewart. Then uh, Fred Taylor eventually came in. You can be able to run the ball. Outside, they don't have any marquee names at wide receiver, but because you have to respect the running game, you can get one-on-one opportunities. And some of those guys, one of those guys is going to emerge. And I'm going to say the name that you need to watch, D.D. Westbrook. Mm-hmm. D.D. Westbrook was taken a year ago, fourth-round pick out of Oklahoma. I felt like he was one of the best wide receivers in the class. Uh, Phil for whatever reason, to a day three, played in the middle of the season, finally got his opportunity halfway through, and you saw him make some plays. 
look for him to emerge as the number one receiver. Now, the team that I think is the real threat, and uh, we'll see how things shape up in August, but may well be my pick out of the South, Deshaun Watson's Houston Texans, who are no slouch on defense themselves if they can get their big three defensively all healthy and on the field at the same time. You know, this is tough because I considered DeAndre Hopkins because DeAndre Hopkins is the guy that kind of anchors the offense. But defensively, I believe it has to be one of those three guys. In the past, I would have quickly said J.J. Watt, three-time defensive player of the year. Then I would have gone to Winnie Merkless. But I'm going to say that it's Davian Clowney. And the reason Clowney is the guy is we saw Clowney take a step up. We saw him dominate. We saw him earn his first Pro Bowl berth. We saw the kind of dominance that he can flash and display. He's a guy that's very, very important to them because when you look at the way this defense is built, even with all those guys having injuries, his ability to pressure the quarterback will take some of the pressure off J.J. Watt. And ultimately, I believe the Texans are going to have to make a a decision at the end of this season. J.J. Watt. Or Jadavian Klein. Well, JJ Watt going to pay. I listen, JJ Watt has done wonderful things as a human being for the city of Houston. Mm-hmm. And that has to be a part of their calculation. Imagine if they let ninety nine walk away. Does it? Well, I mean, it, it, at least it was in New Orleans, yes, when there are things that uh, transcend football and, you know, you become this civic leader or this uh, civic icon. It does matter on some level. Really? You don't have to be that way. You can be cold-blooded about it. He's not good enough at football for us, but, you know, the, it, it But you have to matter. make a decision. You Your fan make... base does matter. You got to make a decision think. between number 90 and number 99. Well, that's the question. I, so he's J.J. Watt has done great things as a human being. Have we seen his best deeds as a football player already? Uh, possibly so, because the injuries will. A lot of people are. I, I've heard a lot of people seven say years, that. Seven years in the league, uh, two serious injuries, broken leg, the back. I'm more troubled by the back. Sure. Um, will he ever get the explosiveness back? Will he be able to dominate the way that he was able to dominate when he, I mean, this dude reeled off 69 sacks in four seasons. He topped 20 twice. That's unheard of, particularly for a five technique, a guy that plays the position that he played in a 3-4 defense. You just don't see that. We'll see if he can get it back. I'm willing to bank that Clowney is the guy that they hang their hat on. I think they may keep J.J. Watt, but Clowney's the most important piece on defense. All right, let's uh, move to the Tennessee Titans, the other team that people are kind of forgetting about, even though they went to the playoffs as well and, uh, you know, kind of laid an egg up there in uh, Foxborough, although they were kind of in that game for a little bit. They were in the game. I'm going to go with Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker, the old, reliable receiver in the middle of the field, the big tight end. He is Marcus Mariota's security blanket. New offensive coordinator, Matt LaFleur, comes over. What will they do to elevate Marcus Mariota? It hasn't been talked about a lot, but Marcus Mariota didn't play well last year. So Hmm. what do they do to kind of right the wrongs in terms of his touchdown to interception ratio? Can they create some more easy throws? Can they make him a pocket passer like those around him say that he wants to be? We'll see. Delaney Walker has to be a big part of that equation, though. I'm fascinated by that. So you say Marcus Mariota subpar based on your evaluation. He didn't play great last year. He had a lot of turnovers, and when you rob him of his athleticism, he's a different player. Had the hamstring injury, couldn't move around, couldn't do some of those other things. Now, some would tell you that inside the building, he doesn't really want to run around and do those things that made him a top prospect at Oregon. He wants to evolve and be more of a pocket passer. However, to do that, the challenge is, are you really good enough to play that style? And I guys do I that to seen, themselves. Ryan Tannehill's done that to his uh, to, I haven't seen to himself a, as well. I haven't seen a lot of guys that have been able to do a, a lot of times. Dave, it's as simple as this: you are what you are. That's right, and dude. You just, I don't get you, just, it. you just have to figure out how to play the way that you've always played. Uh, you got to protect yourself, but to make wholesale changes to radically overhaul your game based on the way that you've always played, it's tough to do. We'll see if Marcus Mario can pull it off. Interesting. So uh, if I'm reading uh, between the lines there, you feel like the Titans maybe slide back a scooch there? They could slide back. If, if, if Matt LaFleur isn't creative with their offense and tries to make him Jerry Goff, he's not going to succeed in that vein. If they do some things that will help Marcus get on the perimeter and do some of the things that he's been able to do from his time at Oregon, they still can make it a modernized offense without him being a runner. You can run stretch bootleg pass game. You can put him on the perimeter with some half-field reads where he gets away from the pocket. But to sit there and think that he's going to dice you up by sitting from the grassy knoll and just delivering darts, I don't know if that's something that Marcus is. Yeah, you don't have to run the read option to to have him move around. Um, Okay, let's move to the east now. 
and the Buffalo Bills. Well, right now, we're going to see really quickly, Shady McCoy is a Jenga piece. Shady McCoy is their best player on their team. Shady McCoy is their best offensive player. He's the only offensive player that you worry about. You have uncertainty at quarterback. You have a rebuilt offensive line. You don't have an established wide receiver. You have to have someone to lean on. Shady McCoy is the guy that they were leaning on. He's now currently dealing with some trouble. We'll see if he's available. If he's not available to them, you talk about a team that has no shot of going to the playoffs. I don't think the Buffalo Bills have any shot of going to the playoffs without Shady McCoy. I'm uh, I'm with you 100, percent and I do think that's the way it's going to go. I, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to recklessly speculate about it, but I, I my assumption is is that uh, we're not going to see the best the, the player you just named as uh, the best on the team in 2018 or at least early on. We'll see how that shakes out. Now let's go to South Beach. I don't know what to make about it because, uh, you know, we talked to Handsome Hank, who's our resident Dolphins fan, and he's hip on Amendola and even more so Albert Wilson. But that these are your big ticket ads in the audience? I don't know. I'm going to go with Cameron Wake. Okay. And it's crazy to think that a 35-year-old pass rusher is the guy that you're seeing is the Jenga piece. But he is, and it's more than what he brings as a pass rusher. They got young dudes that can pass rush. Charles Harris, I think, will eventually emerge. But what Wake brings is the energy – and a passion to the field that kind of sparks their defense. And as they're moving away from Indomitian Sue and some of the other guys that supposedly kind of torpedoed the locker room, we'll see if his leadership can be a bigger factor in them kind of changing the way people view that culture. In my- I, I'm with you on that, um, addressing them a little bit differently than like he's their best player, so they better not lose him. But the guy who can make – two guys who, uh, to me, that can make them much improved are Devontae Parker, if he would ever break out. We'll see if he's mm-hmm. capable of being more than uh, than what he's been. And two is, because of the talent, Laramie Tunsil, if he doesn't put that mask on with the smoke and everything at the you know right before the draft, that video doesn't emerge. He might have been the first overall pick in that draft. Yes. And I'm not an offensive line evaluator, but if, he's, if he reaches – the pedigree, if, it, if, if the play equals the pedigree, that could change things considerably for Ryan. Absolutely. Stadium. Like, um, Tunsil is a top talent. He's a guy that we expect to be a premier left tackle. We'll see if he can make that in his third year. Moving on to uh, to New Jersey, the New York Jets. Who this is a tough one. There's someone on the defense side of the ball, and I'm split between Jamal Adams and Leonard Williams. Uh, Jamal Adams would logically be the Jenga piece because – he automatically brings a level of energy and enthusiasm that has kind of changed the way that defense goes about their business. But at the end of the day, I'm going to go with the guy that's up front. I'm going to go with Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams, they kind of fell into taking them six overall, became a Pro Bowl player, controls it at the line of scrimmage, gives them a pass rushing presence inside, but also is solid against the run. This team wins because they play really good defense. And for them to be a viable contender, they're going to have to continue to play defense, particularly with a young quarterback in Sam Darnold who could make the start. I'm going to go with Leonard Williams. Um, all right, and let's bring it on home with the AFC representative in Super Bowl 52. This is a tough one to do, the New England Patriots, because what we've learned is over the years is that the only people who really matter are 12 and Belichick. I'm going to say 87 is the Jenga I, piece. Well, I've said that, and I said he's not just the Patriots' Jenga piece is Gronk, but he is the bit most important Jenga piece in all the NFL. And then I said that, and then they go win the Super Bowl in the year that he's out two years ago. I think it's different. I think the difference this year, 2018, those other teams were – their offenses were better able to prepare for an extended loss from him. Edelman was there. Amendola's been around. It made plays. There's a trust level for Tom Brady and those guys. Uh, now you're dealing with a bunch of unknowns. Like you got Kenny Britt. Um, you don't have the tight ends behind. You don't have a Martellus Bennett behind him. You, you're dealing with a lot of new pieces behind him. You have the running backs. And I'm going to say this. Rex Burkhead, James White, Sonny Michelle, they will run their offense through those guys rather than running through the perimeter players on the outside. The one thing that I will always give the Patriots credit for is they zig when everyone else is zagging. So when everyone else is loading up on receivers, they're loading up on backs. And they're loading up on backs because backs are the easiest way to create and exploit matchups, mismatches in the passing game. They have a number of backs. So you remove 87, it becomes tougher. But because of TB12 and because of McDaniels and their ability to kind of create things for the backs – they can survive, but without 87, they don't have a premier player on the passing game. 
Uh, I'm tempted to go with Stephon Gilmore. I know Patriots fans mm-hmm. will tell you he didn't have top to bottom a great 2017. But Got better as the season went on. Yeah, and uh, now you take Malcolm Butler out of the mix. But the bottom line is the Patriots seem – I don't know what voodoo they've worked throughout the 21st century, but it seems like you said this, I think, on the Move the Sticks uh uh, episode Josh McDaniels man we can we can take some uh, mm-hmm. some coordinators and I'm going to take Josh McDaniels um, because he and Brady it seems like as long as you have those guys they're going to they can figure it out in in New England for and they happen reason, to be in a bum works. division again oh my gosh they are in a bum division Bucky yeah, you, you always say something that is like inflammatory that's so inflammatory now, to say that the Bills, I'm, I'm, Jets, and the Dolphins don't pose as much challenge as guys, the other teams do. Have those to. guys, those guys have the shield on the jersey, right on the the the, the neckline. There's some good players in that division. Are those teams the best? No, but they're emerging. How about that? The Dolphins are emerging. The Jets are emerging. Why, why did I'm Bucky? Why did Bucky become uh, Mr. Johnny <laughs> NFL there? Hey. Every I got to show up every Sunday. Every never Sunday. Know. Every Sunday. You never know. I know. I saw the I saw Thursday night football when the Dolphins beat them. Doesn't make Jay Cutler. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I haven't seen the show. I haven't seen that show. But I haven't seen it either. It. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. I don't think I need to. All right, Bucky Brooks, dynamite stuff as always. Uh, Maybe I can earn another invite. I used to get invited all the time. Are Maybe you can, kidding me? Maybe I can come back. Don't play games with me. You're welcome. I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk to him, and maybe MV, MV, MVP will, will let me come on every now and then and, and spout. Nothing would make uh, make me happier. Nothing would fill my heart with song more than Bucky Brooks. <laughs> Listen to him on Move the Sticks. Watch him on uh, on NFL Network. You can see him. I will see now the music played a little too early there. but uh, And then uh, Fox Sports, <laughs> he keeps showing up with Cowherd on the TV and on the radio. It's quite a thing. The uh, the rising star named Bucky Brooks. We're, uh, we're very pleased for that. Make sure you check me out uh, on the Adam Carolla Show five days a week. Or this week we're only doing three i guess either way good sports is the segment there and of course daves of thunder available on podcast one and apple podcast we'll talk to you later thin slice of heaven you go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.